heaven's word. I am who it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I can be who it says I can be. And I will have what it says I can have. Today, I will hear the word of God. I boldly declare that my mind is alert. My heart is receptive. My ears are open. And I better not go to sleep. I'll never be the same. In Jesus' name. Amen. Father, we thank you for your word because it's always a lamp unto our feet. It's always a light unto our path. And so we thank you for the Spirit of God who's here, who's going to minister life through the Word of God to your people. We step back so now the Holy Spirit can step up to minister grace to those who are hearers. And Father, I thank you in advance for signs, miracles, and wonders, and breakthrough taking place in the lives of those who are single in this room and even those watching by way of video. And I thank you that their lives will never be the same after having heard the word of truth. In Jesus' name I pray. Let everybody say amen. Amen, amen. amen. God bless you. You may be seated. I want to start out with something a little funny. There was a guy named Thomas. He was 32 years old and he was still single. One day a friend asked him, why aren't you married, Thomas? Can't you find a woman who would be a good wife? Thomas replied, actually, I found many women and I wanted to marry them. But when I bring them home to meet my parents, my mother doesn't like them. His friend thinks for a moment and says, I got the perfect solution for you. Just find a girl who is just like your mother. So a few minutes, a few uh, months later, they meet again and his friend says, did you find the perfect girl? Did your mother like her? And with a frown on his face, Thomas says, yes, I found the perfect girl and she was just like my mother. You were right. My mother liked her very much. He said, the friend said, well, well what's the problem? Thomas replied, my father doesn't like her. <laughs> You'll get that on the way home. You'll get that on the way home. Now, because you all are singles and most of you all are looking forward to getting married, I want to give you five facts about marriage that you may not have known. Five facts about marriage you may not may not have known. And uh, I'm going to do the first one. Pastor Sarah is going to do the second one. Due to jobs, kids, TV, the Internet, hobbies, and home and family responsibilities, the average married couple... Spends just four minutes a day alone together. Hmm. Everybody say hmm. Hmm. Over 75% of people who marry partners from an affair eventually divorce. Hmm. 75% of people who were married and cheated on their spouse and married the person they cheated with, 75% chance they will divorce again. It's cheaper to keep her. Here's the third one. In the United States, over 50% of first marriages end in divorce. 67% of second marriages end in divorce. And nearly 74% of third marriages end in divorce. So the lowest rate is the first one. So as a single, make up your mind. 
That once I get married, I'm going to stay married. Amen. Washington, D.C. Surprise, surprise. Has the lowest marriage rate in the nation. Washington, D.C. has the lowest marriage rate in the country. If you want to be married, don't move to D.C. Here's the last one. 81% of happily married couples said that their spouses, friends, and family rarely interfere with their relationship compared to only 38% of unhappy couples. So here's the point. When you get married, keep your family out of your business. Can I get an amen? Amen. So today's message title is kind of different. This is one of those messages that you're going to need to take out your spiritual fork and knife to digest it. If you're not completely honest with you while I'm speaking, while we're speaking, you're going to miss the delivering power of it. So if you want to take notes, today's message is get a divorce before you get married. Get a divorce before you get married. And if you have your Bibles, find Ephesians chapter 4, and we're going to look in verse 31. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 31. And many of you are probably saying, Pastor, I'm not married. Why should I get a divorce? Well, let me complete the message, and we'll see if you're married or not. Now, I'm going to start today's lesson out with a question, and I want everyone who it applies to to participate. I'm not asking the question in order for you to stick out or to make a point. I'm really just asking so that we can see our lesson even better. How many of you have ever been in a serious dating relationship before and it didn't work out? Let me see your hand. Okay, that's almost the whole room. All right, you can put your hand down. Here's the second question. How many of you have been married before? Let me see your hand if you see that. Okay, all right. Not Hmm? Not Who? married before, not married now. Right. Like, you know, they used to be married and they're not anymore. So uh, statistics say that that would be half of this room. We had a little less than half, and I think that's a good thing. How many, if you got married, it would be your first time? Let me see your hand. Okay, very good. All right. Well, uh, the reason I'm asking the question is, is, is because typically what happens in previous relationships is that if it didn't work out, People tend to have gotten hurt, experienced some pain, some disappointments, and some heartache. Can I get an amen? Amen. Well, when hurts and pains from previous relationships are not dealt with properly, then what tends to happen, singles don't properly heal. And one of the hindrances from, from not being healed properly is that what happens is singles without even knowing it begin to make internal vows. Everybody say internal vows. And they don't even know it. And these internal vows come from the situations that they've experienced in pain. And many of you don't know, but the same way when you get married and those two married people make vows, many single people, when they got injured, hurt, and disappointed in those previous relationships, don't know that they begin to make vows just like they did or would have if they were married. Now, just for the sake of the lesson, let me define what it means to be divorced. It is a judicial declaration dissolving a marriage. That's very important. Judicial. In other words, it, 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 some laws are involved in this whole thing. It also means, and this is good, a process that releases each marital person from its marital responsibilities within the relationship. 
Now, here's where our journey starts, because many of you, you may not know it, but many of you in this room, just touch your neighbor next to you and say, he's talking to you right now. Look at now, touch the other one and say, he's talking to you right now. Now, look at him again and say, don't be touching me in church. (laughs) Many of you are still married to your past, to your problems, and to your pain. Whether it was an unwanted divorce, the death of a spouse, or even a relationship that didn't work out, so many times vows were made. These same vows are made when a person actually married. And so these vows sound something like this. There are no good men out there. There are no good women out there. Yep, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Somebody needs to get a divorce from the hurt and the pain. Vows like, I will never let somebody hurt me like that again. Or even the dreaded vow that says, I'll never find the right person. That's a vow. And when you take vows, if they are not according to God's word, you must go back and divorce yourself from the vows that you made. So many of you in this room are married to your past, your issues and your pain. And you wondering why God has not sent the person he wants you to marry. He can't send you a person to marry because you're already married. You have to remember that your words are power and their life. And whenever you and I speak something, we make a covenant. Whatever you declare creates a covenant. Because the Bible says that what? The worlds were framed by the word of God. So every time we say those vows, even if it's in jest and we're joking with our friends, we are creating a world by which we restrict ourselves to. So if you're always saying, boy, she found somebody, but I'll never find them. They don't like me. You know, nobody going to want somebody with kids. You know, well, I've had, you know, you know, this, or I caught this from somebody or whatever, you know, I've been to jail or if you keep declaring those things, you begin to set up a framework around your own life that keeps you in and other people out. Let me show you how powerful it is. God is spirit. He created us in his own image. Mm -hmm. When he created the worlds, he took his very word and the Bible says, he said, let there be light and light came. Mm -hmm. You and I are in his image. We've been made that way. He has designed and created us to watch this. Speak words for those words to come back to us in life form. Right. And many of you are married to issues and hurts and pains. And my goal and our goal today is to free you and divorce you from those issues. Now, I'm going to name what some of these issues are. And then we're going to talk about them for just a second. In Ephesians chapter 4 verse 31. That's the, that's the verse I told you to turn to. I'm going to be reading out of the Amplified Version because it explains in detail a little bit more about these emotions. And what I'm about to describe or read are emotions that can happen when you come out of a bad or toxic relationship. This is the fruit of your vows. This is the fruit. This is what the fruit looks like. If you had a tree and you were feeding these vows and you were feeding these hurts and you're feeding these disappointments, this is what the fruit looks like. And let me say this. 
you know, find your fruit. This is why you have to limit how much you date. For real. Though. Because every time you date and come up with the wrong mate, then you now have just added pain, suffering, and disappointment to your situation. Right, right. So watch what it says in uh, Ephesians chapter 4 verse 31. He says, let all bitterness, look at your neighbor and say, you look bitter. Look at him and just tell him, you look bitter. <laughs> let all bitterness and indignation and wrath. What is wrath? Passion and rage and a bad temper. That's why you cut all of that brother's tires. That's why you did it. And then it says, and resentment and anger and animosity and quarreling and brawling and clamor. I mean, this is why now I'll be watching these reality shows. And yeah, man, I, I'm amazed yeah, at how all these, these women talk with the hand. I'm telling you, I'm telling. <laughs> See, when you upset, when you're married to your issues, you clap when you talk. You're clapping. <laughs> <laughs> Brawling, clamor, contention, slander, evil speaking. That's why you can't say nothing nice about Tyrone. Why say all the women? Hey, they do the same thing. Come on, balance me out. Yeah, they're like, but she a hoe. She always going to be a hoe. She ever a hoe. Just because she didn't want to give you some, she a hoe. You know, she won't cook for you, clean for you. She a hoe. She won't do what you want her to do. She a hoe. Every she, she a hoe, hoe, hoe. What is that? Christmas? Ho, ho, ho. Merry Christmas. Y'all need to. That's why. That's why you only invite those kind of people in your life because that's all you keep declaring. Listen. One of the single people sent a question in and said, why don't you teach on women becoming women of Christ instead of a thought? And, and my wife had to help me because I was like, what's a thought? She's like, get that hoe over there. I was like, whoa. I didn't even know what it was. She had to update a 52-year-old brother. You see what I'm saying? He said, evil speaking, abusive or blasphemous language, be banished from you without malice and spite and ill will or baseness of any kind. Did you hear all of that in there? Those are negative emotional feelings that come out of a relationship that you got involved in and you did not know that once you experienced them, if you did not get properly healed, you begin to marry yourself to them. You know, it's kind of like if you have baby mama, baby daddy things and you're supposed to go pick up your kid and you're the guy because I have to defend the ladies. Okay. And you... Pick up the phone and she answered like, hey, and you're like, just drop him off at the front. No bye. No, no, no hello. hello. No, nothing. Uh, you going to send the money for them? I'm tired of you talking about this money. You understand? He moved his job. You don't tell them. You don't update them on child support and all this kind of stuff. You know, and then you, you upset now when you come to pick up your girl and the child's not there. Because she's or, like, you didn't pay for the time. Oh, they had on the same clothes. That he picked them up in last time. Right, don't comb their but hair. But you didn't send them no money to buy Have some them new over clothes. there with some new girl. The girl, listen here, don't take care of the baby. And then you wonder why you have an angry woman. Trying mm-hmm. to slice you, cut you in the middle of the night. Listen. You got to do better than that. 
anger, issue, contention, frustration. You know it by what you say and how you sound. And when you have to roll your eyes and roll your neck like a snake charmer and put your hand on your hip. And when you as a guy just trying to think how you can execute, delete, 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 decline, decline, decline. That's your anger. That's the fruit of your thing. You got to realize that that thing's a trigger for you. And you think you're ready for your next relationship. Now listen, here is the bigger problem with this type of negative emotional baggage. It's transferable to others. Uh Uh-oh. In Hebrews chapter 12 verse 15, this is what it says. See to it that no one comes short of the grace of God, that no root of bitterness springing up causes trouble, and by it many be defiled. That bitterness that you've been married to, you don't know, but you are transferring that bitterness unto other people. That's why the babies are bitter. His son is bitter. Why? Because you are transferring bitterness and the problem is you don't know you're married to it. But so, I love your scripture where, where, you know, you never got to finish it. But verse 32 says, in spite of all this animosity and stuff, become useful. Become useful. And helpful. And helpful. And kind to one and another. kind to another. You're trying to sing to me what's going what? on. <laughs> Tender hearted. Tender hearted. Compassionate. Compassionate. We're doing like the Under, culture church right now. Understanding. Understanding. Yeah, circle that one right there for you. Understanding. 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 Uh-huh. Loving hearted. Loving hearted. Forgiving. Forgiving. See, that's why Loving you can't hearted. forgive Sally. He says readily and freely. I could have said. Okay, all right. As God in Christ has forgiven you. So Mm -hmm. check this out. We're about to read a story. I I wanted to read it all, but I can't. We got to go read a story that is very known to most Christian women because it's all about their Boaz. I'm going to get my Boaz. My Boaz is coming. Well, don't, don't stretch it out. Don't stretch I'm not going to stretch it out. I'm not going to stretch it out. I'm not going to stretch it out. I'm just saying. I'm not stretching it just, out. Just hold it in, rain it in. But see, there's more to the story than just Boaz. I'm going to show you today how Ruth got him. So now in verse... And then for guys, then if he... he you know, I'm No, gonna I'm going to show the guys be, how to beat Boaz. Exactly, see, please. Because see, see, if you want a Ruth, you got to be a Boaz. You got to have something other than a rap and a rhyme. We can write our own poem. We don't Boaz, need no rap and rhyme. Boaz had good credit. He did have good credit. He owned his own stuff too. He was progressive. He, he had a vision and a plan, an idea. He knew who he was. He was walking in his own authority. He, he wasn't had, like, uh, what are we going to do today? What do you want to eat? What do you want to eat? What do you want to eat? Can't make eat? a decision. That's the, first, that's the first disqualifier. You ask the guy, what are we going to eat? What do you want to eat? What do you want to do? What you want to do? No leadership. Just be like... Come on, let's read the scripture. Read it. Read. Read. (laughs) Now it came to pass, I'm in Ruth chapter 1 verse 1. It came to pass in the days that judges ruled, the famine came in the land. And then there was a guy in verse 2 named Imelech. He had a wife named Naomi. They had two sons. And so in verse 3, Imelech and Naomi, uh, her husband died. And she was left with these two sons. And so they took wives from Moab, and uh, the name of one of the wives was Orpah, and the other name was Ruth. And so they stayed there for about 10 years, and then what happened? The two sons died. So now Naomi's husband died, and now her two sons died, and now she's stuck here in verse 6 with her two daughters-in-law. Well, she says uh, in verse 7, 
she told her two daughter-in-laws to go their way and to return to the land of Judah. Verse 8, it says, And Naomi said unto her two daughter-in-laws, Go and return to each of your mother's house. The Lord will deal kindly with you as you have dealt with the dead and with me. The Lord grants you that you may find rest, each of you, in the house of her husband. She kissed them and lifted her voice. Watch this. And what? They wept. And they said unto her, surely we will return with you and your people. And Naomi said, no, turn again, my daughters. Why will you be with me? She basically said, listen, my sons have died. My husband has died. I'm too old. And even if I had a, a guy remarried and had some more kids, what are you going to do? Wait on them? So she says, go ahead. So Oprah kissed her mother-in-law in verse 14 and she left. But watch this. But Ruth, say but Ruth. But Ruth clave unto her and said, Behold, thy sister-in-law has gone back. This is what Naomi said. In verse 16, and Ruth said, Entreat me not to leave you or return from following after you. For I know where you go, I will go. Where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people will be my people and your God is going to be my God. And where you die, I will die. And there will I be buried. The Lord do so to me and more also if our death part from us. And when she saw that, She allowed her to stay with her. So watch this now. Here's the picture. Ruth now is the person who decided to stay with Naomi. So now, neither one of them have husbands. So now, look in now, verse 5. Or verse, yeah, verse 5. No, let's go to chapter 2. Go to chapter 2. And it says, and uh, Naomi had a kinsman of her husband. He was a mighty man of wealth. Stop. (laughs) Right. Wealth. Of the family of Imelech. We have to keep going. We have to keep going. And his name was Boaz. And Ruth the Moabite said unto Naomi, Hey, let go and go to the field and glean from the ears of corn after him, in whose sight maybe you will find some grace. And she said, Go, my daughter. And so she went and she gleaned in the field of Boaz. And verse 4 it says, And behold, Boaz came from Bethlehem and said unto the reapers, Hey, the Lord be with you. They answered him, The Lord bless you. And so Boaz said unto his servants, Hey, who is that girl over there? That's my rendition. (laughs) And uh, the Bible says, uh, Boaz said in verse 8, Boaz said to Ruth, Here, my daughter, don't go glean in no other field. Stay in mine. Let your eyes be on this field. And then he told the men, Drop some extra for her. Everybody say something was happening. So then Naomi, uh, Ruth asked a question. She says in verse 10, why have I found grace in your eyes? Why did you pick me? And no, notice what he says in verse 11. Boaz answered and said to her, it has been fully shown to me. I discern all that you have done unto your mother-in-law since the death of your husband and how you have left your father and your mother and the land of your nativity and you've come here where you didn't know anybody. And listen, he said, the Lord will recompense your work and give you a full reward to be given from the Lord God of Israel. And let me show you something you may not have ever seen. Watch this now. Healing from these issues, from these past relationships, they come In helping. See, Ruth served her mother-in-law. She stuck with her. She just kept doing what was right. And healing comes in helping. And you can't tell me that Ruth didn't experience pain through the loss of her husband. But Ruth 
Watch this. Her healing came from helping. And I'm about to show you a verse that's going to slap you from here to kingdom come. In Hebrews chapter 13 verse 20. Write it down. It says this. Now the God of peace that brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus. That great shepherd of the sheep. Through the blood of the everlasting covenant. Watch what's going to happen. That Lord Jesus is going to make you Perfect, watch this, in every good work. Now watch this, that word perfect is powerful because it means to complete you thoroughly. Watch this, to repair you literally and figuratively, to adjust you, to frame you, to mend you, to perfectly join you together and restore you. He's saying, watch this, that verse is saying that God will make you perfect and restore you, watch this, while you are doing every good work. And you want to know why the devil tells you to stop coming to church after you got out of a bad relationship? You know why he's trying to tell you to stop volunteering and stop being involved? Because he's trying to stop you from doing the very thing that God uses to heal you. Boy, that's good stuff. Y'all give me a better hand clap than that. That's good stuff right there. So, here's the thing. This is why the enemy isolates singles and make them quit wanting to serve others and quit serving the house of God. And here's what's amazing. You went through all that pain and that heartache and that trauma. And so you stopped coming to church. You stopped being around God's people. You stopped serving. But you didn't stop going to work. Explain that one to me. I just, you know, I just need, I'm on a sabbatical. Well, you didn't take a sabbatical from work, did you? No, but see, it's the trick of the enemy, and I'll show you why. Watch this now. In Ephesians chapter 4, I'm skipping because we uh, because of time. In Ephesians chapter 4, when it says, and he gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers, watch this, for the perfecting of the saints, so the saints can do the work of ministry. Here's the thing. The devil is, all, with all that pain and all that heartache, what he's just trying to do is keep you from being in a position to be perfected. Because let me tell you something, the call that God has on your life is way more important than any person you will ever meet. That's right, that's right. Now that is the truth, the whole truth. So how do you divorce yourself from hurt, pain, and disappointment? Here's the first one. Don't pretend that things are just fine. See, that's when people say stuff like, I don't need a man. Really? You sure want one? I need a woman, but I don't have to marry her. Okay. Don't pretend that things are fine. Number two, don't just acknowledge your hurt before God, but give it to him. Give it to him. See, some of you all are walking around bearing your own pain. And what's what's interesting is that God sees the pain, but he can't deal with it until you give it to him. And see, how do you give it to him? You can only give it to him when you are honest with you. See, you don't even want God to know that it, that it, that it hurt you. you know, oh, it ain't really hurt me. Oh, he need to move on anyway. I didn't really like him. Well, she, I didn't even like her anyway. I don't care if she cheated on me. Uh, I was cheating on her anyway. No, no, no. God can only help you when you give it to him. So don't just acknowledge the hurt before God. Give it to him. Here's number three. Use the same mouth that you use to make a negative vow. To apply the blood of Jesus to your heart, soul, and mind to get healed. Now, I'm going to give you a verse here, and we're closing right here. 
In Hebrews 9, 14, because I'm going to show you, I'm about to touch your neighbor and say, if you go to sleep, I'm going to slap you. Go ahead and tell them. You go to napping, I'm going to go to slapping. I'm about to show you how to erase pain, heartache, disappointment out of your heart forever. Watch this. Hebrews 9, 14. He says, how much more shall the blood of Christ who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God. Watch this. That blood will purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. What you need to do is begin to apply the blood to your conscience. Apply the blood to your heart. Apply the blood to your soul. Apply the blood to your mind. You say, well, Pastor Evan, how does that work? This is what you're going to say. When, when that thought of, about that previous hurt in that relationship comes up, you say, Father, I thank you that the blood of Jesus purges my mind from old thoughts, purges my mind from old relationships, purges my mind from old hurts. And Father, I thank you as you purge my mind with the blood of Jesus, I will serve him much more in my life. I think too, one of the things you have to remember is God knows all things. God knows all things and you're never, ever truly alone. And so even though some of those things have hurt you, sometimes the exiting of that person was necessary. Some of it was not necessarily your choice, but some of it, they had to go because you could never be fully who you are until they got out of it. And, you know, if they're not a part of your future, then leave them in the past. And many times we're carrying them in there and we work, we're carrying what we hoped would have happened and we miss what actually can happen. Yes. Because God, when he says he has a future for us, right? He says it's a good future. It's a future filled with hope. It's a bright future. It's one that exceeds. It's abundant. Now you take real good stock on the past relationship. Was it exceedingly, abundantly, above what you could ask or imagine? No. The truth is no. Because they will still be with you if that's the case. Exactly. Some of it, sometimes you are trying to find a way out. And then when they finally gave you a way out, then you kind of missed it because you really just wanted a companionship. You just wanted somebody to post with on Facebook. You just wanted to just have somebody in your picture. You want somebody to eat with. Really, you didn't really want them because you compromised. You compromised because you didn't want to necessarily not be a part of the group. You understand? So now God is saying, but if you serve me, If I become your husband, I become your wife, I become your consuming desire. Bishop Hilliard always says it this way. He will give you more on your way than when you start. If you start, that husband, that wife, that spouse, it's maybe on mile five. But as long as you stay on mile one, complaining and crying and worrying and panicking, you will never get to mile two to get to mile five because the maturity that you need is at mile five. But you over here wallowing in your feelings, all in your feelings, when you got some miles to go. So you keep serving. You keep worshiping. You keep loving God. You keep honoring God. And before you know it, you at the right exit. You'll be like, oh, who stopped at the gas station with me today? Okay. Here is the perspective. I'm telling you. See, when you know who you are in Christ, then whoever decides to exit your life, the perspective is not who exited. The perspective is I'm too unique to compete anyway. See, it's not a loss anymore. It's a gain because if you don't know who you lost, then you don't need to be in my life anyway. And see, until you come up with that, 
where you are satisfied with you, all of you. You can't expect somebody to love your lips if you don't love them. You can't expect somebody to love that hair if you don't love it. So you got to love you. And the only way you can do that is when you have a proper relationship with God. And so here's Wait, the last hold on, thing. I have a prophetic sure, word. Sure, sure, sure. So ahead. this word that God is telling me right now is to stop squandering. Squandering. So explain that. Stop squandering. It's kind of like when you, you give what's valuable away on discount. Ah. He said, you have forgotten who Your you values. really are. And who you really belong to. And so now you are squandering or throwing your pearls or minimizing yourself for someone who has not had the wisdom and revelation of who you really are. And if you link up with a squanderer, if you link up with the wrong squatter on your property, you devalue your real estate. Uh So I don't know who is out there squandering, but you need to pull back all your stuff. See, let me tell you all your stuff. Let me tell you how you can know if you're squandering. Yeah. When you squatting. What are you giving away that you should not be giving away as a single person? Why are you giving somebody your heart and you've known them three months? Are you crazy? Why are you giving them your checking account information and your check card number and your PIN number? And why are you giving them, why why are you uh, financing their, their finances? Oh, no, 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 no. You are squandering. Here's the last. So look it up. Look it up because I really feel that you have to make a decision today. I'm going to serve, not squander. You don't have time to squander. If you consumed in the presence of God, you consumed the word of God. I'm telling you, that is how we found each other. Serving God. Serving God. Wholeheartedly. Because you want somebody who is going to be able to mirror and help maximize your purpose in God. That's equally yoked. Which is our last And you already know, just because they saved don't mean they're equally yoked, right? Just because they go to church don't mean they're equally yoked. Exactly. Because like for, for, for my daughter, she's like a, she's a faith person. You right. understand? She understands the process of faith. Very few people understand the faith process. So many people can come to her, but not many people can talk to her because they're not even on the same intellectual level faith-wise. They're too negative. They don't understand. So don't squander. The last point. Healing comes through helping and serving. Who are you helping? Who are you serving? Why is it that the very God who wants your love and your attention is the very person you're not serving? Oh, so now you want him to give you somebody to serve when you haven't proven your service to him. I'm amazed at single people who are not connected to their church home doing something in the house of God because the Bible says single people are focused on doing the things of the Lord. But it says married people are distracted because they have to now do what it takes to serve their family. So while you are single, take the time, the energy, and the focus to serve God. Stop jumping in and out of every relationship. Listen, you say, well, 
well, I, I don't know if he's the right one or she's the right one. You know how you can know? Don't jump in too fast. And by the way, thank you for all the different questions I'm going to be doing in our last lesson. Questions and answers about singleness. And it's going to be based on what you all gave. With every head bowed and every eye closed. There are some people in this room that pain, issues, and problems have been plaguing you. You've been married to them. You didn't know it. And so that's why you've gone from relationship to relationship. This didn't work. That didn't work. She didn't work. He didn't work. It's because you didn't know that you were married to these issues. It's time to divorce them right now. So right there at your seat. Holy Spirit, begin to reveal to every person in the room any issues, any emotional baggage, anything that has married themselves to them. And I pray in the mighty name of Jesus that today they will give these negative emotions a bill of divorcement. I want you to pray this prayer with me. Say, Lord Jesus... I know you're real. I believe you as my Savior. Today I need you to help me overcome any negative past. Right now, in Jesus' name, I ask for you to cleanse my conscience from dead works, from problems and pains from my past. And I thank you that your blood is still alive. It's It still works. It still cleanses. It still delivers. And it still saves. Today, Lord Jesus, cleanse me. Heal me. Deliver me. In the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. And with every head still bowed, here's my question. If you die today...